Pride goes before destruction, and an arrogant spirit before a fall. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. Welcome to Things I Preach to Myself About Podcast. I'm your host, Rich Vang, and on today's episode, we look at, are we too big for our britches? One of the most powerful events we can experience under the hand of our Elohim is the moving of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God not only affects our lives by directing and guiding us when we submit to His rule, but the Spirit also brings to mind and heart the words of scripture that we need at just the right time. You can be someone who has read the Bible many times, heard the story since childhood, but when the Ruach brings to mind a particular passage within the pages, it's like you're reading it afresh, like it's the first time. This wonder happened recently to me. Not that this is the first time revelation of the truth of Yahweh's words to me, but just many of the Moments when our Elohim has reached down from the heavens to touch and teach this old, crusty, and often rebellious heart of mine. Here's what happened. I finally had time to attend a congregation of believers in Yeshua Messiah, whose teachings I'd been listening to via the internet over the last few months. I really enjoyed the rabbi's teachings and his passion for the truth of Scripture in their original context. I had wanted to go in person for some time, but it seems that too many events and situations would arise and interfere. But this Shabbat day was clear and I made the journey. Now, to give background, I am not usually a shy or nervous person meeting new people. In fact, my mouth will usually runneth over and my desire for new faces to know me takes me to the full disclosure levels usually within the first few minutes. I had actually ran scenarios in my head as to what I would say and share, how I'm excited about this new revelation of truth and what I've learned already, and how I share all this via my podcast and writings all over the internet. I felt that they would all just run home and check out the podcast and writings immediately, and I would garner a new audience. Now, did you notice how many times I said, I, in the last sentence, how on this whole new journey, I had managed to turn all the focus onto me. Yep, I, I, I. (sighs) To add fuel to my already raging fire, I went into this place of worship with preconceived ideas of what I thought should be the format for music and readings and the teaching. Sure, I'd watch some of the service online, but didn't really grasp what all was going on outside the message itself. After all, I had spent many years long ago in a worship team and I already knew the best ways to perform music in a church setting, so I hoped that they lived up to that standard. And I had noticed that there were some people on stage during the worship music that were dancing in circles. They call it Davidic dancing. Now, I felt this was a little odd, but eh, to each their own, I thought. As long as it wasn't a distraction to me and my personal worship, I also hoped that they had the temperature comfortable and the seats were padded because, you know, comfort can ease the spirit to focus on worship and teaching. Yes, I was set. 
set to evaluate and critique and hope that they met my ideology of messianic worship. Arriving at the place that Saturday morning, you know, basically ran into what I typically would see on a Sunday church gathering. I had my Bible in hand and was dressed appropriately to honor our King. As usual nowadays, there was an eclectic group of people from all walks of life entering the building and chatting in clusters all around. The front door greeters shook my hand and welcomed me. Inside, another, perhaps an elder, greeted me, recognizing that I was a new face there. I confirmed his suspicions, and within seconds, I felt lost, uncertain, and very nervous. The feeling that washed over me was the feeling of newness, like I had never entered into a church gathering before in my life. Now, the kind gentleman spoke with me for a minute and learned that I had spoke to one of the pastors a few months back. He quickly got me introduced to that pastor, who then took over the escorting and introduction task with me, introducing me to other men of standing within the congregation. Now, my head spun trying to remember names and faces. And the service was getting ready to start, and they led me into a large room where people hustled to their seats while gently chatting with other believers. Now, the wonderful man that greeted me at the door called me to the front to sit with him and his wife. As I got into my seat, I realized something. All of my plans, all of my sureness, and my expectations were gone. We stood in worship as amazingly talented musicians played and sang songs that I was completely unfamiliar with. Many had Hebrew words with English subtitles below them. The dancers circled about with moves of grace and passion that elevated the mood of joy and celebration to each song that was sung. The lyrics projected on the screen were never uttered or sang by me that day. Normally I would belt out tunes and toast to our Elohim, but today I stood in awe at the power of the words, the dance, the music. After the music, a talk by one of the elders regarding the Torah portion for the new week was given. Now this was important because for me the weekly Torah portion was a new approach to Bible study that the Jewish people used to know his words. Each year they would go through the complete Torah, covering Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, all of which was augmented with readings from the prophets that are related. The Jewish people knew their scriptures intimately. Reading God's words is one thing. Knowing God's words is another but committing them to heart and mind and soul through deep study, that is living out the scriptures. Now, by this time, I would have had several critiques running in my head. Oh, don't like this. They didn't do that right. That's not how you do it. Well, that was irritating. Or why are they doing this? Or I would have done it that way. But I didn't. I couldn't. In fact, for once in my life, I was silent from my mouth to my brain. There was nothing I could say or do. Oh, but wait. Here came a potential critique, a guest speaker. Ha! I came to see the main guy give one of his awesome sermons, but now we have a guest. Well, this might be the breaking point of this whole visit. Well, he delivered his message pure and truthful, 
solid and powerful, deep and spiritual. And what made matters harder was that his words were words straight from our Elohim, direct to my very soul. They cut me so harshly that tears welled up in my eyes on several occasions. I tried to look down at the scripture verses in my Bible, what he was speaking about, hoping something would catch my eye and distract my attention away from the core message, but it never came. I tried to look around at the people in hope of finding something, anything, to take my mind away from the condemning words, but those truths of God kept flowing, coming in waves within my heart and my mind. It hurt because it was killing me, slaying my mindset pointing out my pride and arrogance and showing me that my personal kingdom ideas of how things should be are in reality not God's ways. My views and ideologies are to be destroyed in order for me to walk in his ways properly. Where once I would read about someone who was corrected by Elohim and think to myself, what an idiot, that he would try to put himself above God. I would Wonder how it was that people saw the power and words of Elohim and yet disobey and do their own thing. I critiqued the people who would fail the God of the Bible repeatedly as being fools and think, well, how could they do that when they have the truth right in front of them? In Daniel chapter 4, we read about King Nebuchadnezzar. This was the core of the teaching from the guest speaker. Now, I've read this account many times in the past and always would shrug it off as just another king too big for his britches. I'd cheer when God humbled him, especially after the king had just acknowledged the signs and wonders which the Most High Elohim has worked for him. Nebuchadnezzar exclaims, How great his signs and how mighty his wonders! His reign is an everlasting reign and his rulership is from generation to generation. That's in verse 3. And yet, even after having a frightening dream, a revelation that was clearly explained to him by Daniel the prophet, the king continued to do his own thing. Hmm, this is sounding kind of familiar. Many of us might have mountaintop experiences with Yahweh, powerful moments where he speaks to us a powerful truth that greatly affects us. And in the course of the spiritual high, we think ourselves set for life, that we can ride the spirit train the rest of the way. We forget that we are daily to be putting ourselves at the foot of the cross, humbling ourselves before the throne of God, denying self so as to walk in the spirit, set apart from the world. But like the king in Daniel chapter 4, we can easily get drawn back into the world's ways and put God on a back burner. And we see that right away happening to the king after he has a disturbing dream. And the first thing he does is he calls his magicians and astrologers and other mystics to explain the dream. Oh, how quickly he forgot Yahweh. Here is where I criticized the king. Well, before. After no satisfaction from the world's answers, Nebuchadnezzar consults Daniel, who explains the dream. And this is a very scary prophecy. God will, essentially, drive the king into the wilderness like an animal. 
Now, you would think that this would have a great effect on the king, but like him, I've had many, many revelations of truth by the Spirit of God to obey his commands, to walk in an upright manner, and to seek him every day with my whole heart and soul and mind and strength. And like the king, my mind quickly gets distracted away from him. We see by verse 29 that 12 months have passed since the dream incident, and the king is already gloating, bragging, puffing himself up as the one who has it all. He's selfishly pointing out his accomplishments, how together he is, and how it has been done by himself. Like me, walking into that church thinking that, "Eh, I've been there, done that. I knew the program. That my understanding of scripture is solid and deep. That I'm even somewhat accomplished because, you know, I have a podcast and writing over these years. I did it all on my own. Oh, how much the guest speaker's words given by Yahweh above drove those spikes deep into my pride. Like the king, I felt reduced to the wild as a scavenging animal with no sense of humanity left. All that I felt I've done and known was tossed onto the floor as rubbish to be trampled upon underfoot. My preconceived notions were shattered. My ideas how, of how church should be were broken, and my pride of self-accomplishment and understanding were vanquished. Those tears were all that I had left. I, like King Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to the heavens, and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him who lives forever, whose rule is an everlasting rule, and his reign is from generation to generation, as in verse 34. We think that we know it all, that we understand it all, that we are the cause and effect of things here. But when we carry that thinking in our minds, we're putting ourselves above the creator of the universe. And God will humble the proud. Verse 35 says, And all the inhabitants of the earth are of no account. And he does as he wishes with the hosts of the heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And there is none to strike against his hand or say to him, What have you done? I mean, come on, folks. Who are we to be so bold to think that we have it all together, that we're so knowledgeable that we can even boast of our own accomplishments. I mean, when will we learn? The king exclaims in verse 37 that all his works are truth and his ways right, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. I walked in pride entering those doors of that church. In fact, I was walking in pride even before I got there. Yet his words are powerful sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart, as it says in Hebrews 4.12. This is not the first time, nor will it probably be the last time, that I puff up my own ego into thinking of how much I know. I left after that service with a very humble heart, a mind that was rethinking my understanding of how things should be, and yet my soul fed with the very truth of our Elohim. 
I sought the truth, but much to my surprise, I found it in a place and a condition I wasn't expecting. He put me through this so that I could see myself from the outside in. He brought me before his throne and caused me to understand my condition. And he allowed me to come before him with a penitent heart, petitioning for mercy, seeking his rule in my life, not just for today, but for always. We are creatures, and we often have to be taken out of ourselves so that we can see what exactly our condition is. He is graceful and merciful enough to knock us off our self-made thrones and let us wallow in the wilderness for a season so that we can learn who truly is supposed to be the king of our lives. But his desire to bring us back into his arms is the greatest gift we can receive. That, my friends, is what true love is all about. And we can only experience that merciful love through his gift, his son, Yeshua Messiah. We would have no sacrifice to offer for our sins if it wasn't for the sacrifice of Yeshua for us. We only have to accept that gift, walk in his ways, hold fast daily to his truths in our lives. By following his son Yeshua, we can be restored to a right relationship, even if we fall, or fail, or even forget. His Spirit is there to guide us and remind us and teach us in His ways. And when our pride gets in the way, He is faithful and just to bring us around to His truth so that we are putting our complete trust alone in Him. Folks, we will fail. He will not fail. Praise God that the Spirit ain't done with us yet. Amen. This has been Things I Preach to Myself About Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Rich Vangen, and I thank you for taking the time to listen to my learning and uh, glad that I could share with you the truth of the Spirit working in our lives. May you stay in His Word, trust, and cling to His truth in all things. Amen. Amen.